Hello and welcome to Marketing Connected. I'm your host, Rizwana Manjur. Following the success of our Survival Instinct series, we're now launching a brand new initiative titled Life After Advertising. Life After Advertising was created amidst the global COVID-19 pandemic, which saw many ad professionals having to leave the industry and hit restart on their professional careers. Over the next few weeks, we will speak to some of the most iconic individuals in Adland who have now shifted gears and we'll find out how they've redirected their careers. This week, we have Carolyn Khan, who is the founder and designer of artisan jewelry brand Carrie Kay in the hot seat. Starting her brand in 2009, Carolyn is one of Singapore's best-known local jewelry designers. Prior to her launching her own brand, Carolyn held the prominent role of managing director of MNC Saatchi, a company she was with for almost 10 years. In this episode, she reflects on her journey and the choices she's had to make to get to where she is today. Hi, Carolyn. How are you? Hey, how are you? I'm good. It's been a long day, but I'm glad we have some time um, to catch up and talk about your journey. Yes, well, this is the perfect way to end the day, so. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I know you've had an incredibly hectic week last week, and this week's been pretty tight for you as well. So thank you so much for making time. Um, Are you able to tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and what's keeping you so, so busy? Well, um, I think adopting or adapting to the new normal, as everyone is, is keeping me really busy. But um, in this, uh, I call this my second life. My first life was uh, in advertising. And in my second life, uh, it is a very happy uh, business to be in. And it's the business of jewelry. Mm -hmm. So I'm the founder and designer of Carrie K Jewelry. And um, I think one of the things that uh, spurs me on is we tell stories that connect people. Um, distilled in the heirloom jewelry pieces that hopefully will get passed on to future generations. So right now, I think the um, circuit breaker and us staying at home has given me lots of stories to distill into our pieces, especially things like appreciation for friendship and for family. And it really has made me reflect on what's important in life. So how did you decide to make this shift out of advertising and into the world of all things sparkly and shiny? Well, I think I've always been a jewelry addict, Um, but my discovery of a passion for design um, is what I call a happy accident. Um, I started Carrie Kay about 11 years ago, in fact, July 2009, and it was during a trip when I was traveling to um, Florence, Italy. I was there for about a month and I was introduced to a a jewelry designer who took me under her wing and for a month I was there learning how to make jewelry. And it was really one of those magical, I think, moments in my life where I discovered a passion that I had kind of lying dormant. Um, And it was one of those Hollywood moments when I was making my first ring. And I I still remember that second when I made the decision because I was in um, my my teacher's uh, workshop, which is about uh, 10 minutes outside of Florence. So it was a tiny little place um, and it was filled with all these antique tools. So, you know, looked really romantic and, and very inspiring. 
And just then the rain had stopped and the sun shone through the windows. And I just finished polishing my first ring. And I looked down at the ring and had this emotional golf ball in my throat. And I had this epiphany. I thought, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to be a jewelry designer and silversmith. And that was the beginning of Carrie Kay. Wow. So this wasn't something that you knew all along while working in advertising, huh? It's something you kind of uh, stumbled upon by accident. Is that fair for me to say? Well, somebody reminded me. In fact, my um, GM who interviewed me for my role at MC Sanchi when I was just an account manager, mm-hmm. um, she said during the interview, one of the questions I asked you was, if you were not in advertising, what would you you know, want to do? And I said, I would love to be an apprentice to one of my favorite uh, Italian jewelers. Mm-hmm. And um, she reminded me years later, that's what I said at the interview. So I guess it's always been something that I'd wanted, but you know, the, the whole journey really just took that roundabout path. And I guess in life, everything is about right timing, right? So it's, it's something that I've always loved, but it was the right time uh, 10, 11 years ago. And I took the leap to start Terry King. Wow. And and look at you now. You're doing such a fabulous job. So congratulations to you and the business that you have built. Um, So while this passion of yours was lying dormant, you were also running an ad agency, which is more than a full-time job. Um, I I don't think a full-time job even begins to cover it. Can you tell us a little bit about your last role in advertising and how you came to terms with leaving such a prominent role? Well, um, I was the managing director of MNC Sachi Singapore then. And um, I mean, during this trip, uh, when I had this moment and I was quite clear what I wanted to do, after having made just that one ring, I started introducing myself as a jewelry designer. <laughs> When I got off the plane and got back to Singapore, I told everybody that I'm now a you know, jewelry designer and everyone thought I was mad that I wanted to go down this path. So thankfully, my husband Chong, who's equally mad, was super supportive and my family as well. Mm-hmm. So I decided to take the leap. I went back to school. I signed up at NAFA for night classes. Mm-hmm. And whilst I was learning um, the whole craft of uh, making jewelry, I started setting up the business and I literally built it um, off my kitchen table. So for about a year and a half, two years, um, everything was done off my kitchen table. My husband couldn't see the, the wooden tabletop. And that's how you know it started, the genesis of it. But a couple of quite magical things happened along the way. Um, in 2010, Elle magazine awarded me Jury Designer of the Year. Mm-hmm. So that, that gave me a huge you know, boost and sense of confidence. And at the end of uh, 2011, I took the leap and I rented a studio, a beautiful shop house uh, off Newton Circus. And I hired my first full-time hire. So there's nothing like rent and, you know, staff to support, yeah. to really focus you and, you know, get you really um, looking at it as a business rather than a, than a hobby. Yeah. Um, and then shortly afterwards, I was also introduced to a gentleman called Yuji Yamamoto, who's the son of Yoji Yamamoto. And he happened to be in Singapore for a fashion show. Um, and I invited him to come and visit me at the Keriki Atelier. Uh, I was really surprised. He popped in the next day and I was a bit starstruck. 
um, a few days later, I got an email from his team saying, you know, Mr. Yamamoto really likes your jewelry and your design. We would like to represent you in Japan. What are your thoughts? So you can imagine, I just went, what? So that was incredible because that really catapulted Carrie K beyond the little red dot and, you know, got us overseas. Yep. So we were represented by Yuji Yamamoto and his team in Japan. Um, we even had a space in Takashimaya in Tokyo. Um, and a number of the Japanese cities. Um, so that really made the big kind of leap from, uh, you know, Singapore small run business to one that started having presence internationally. And yep. then in the recent years, we've collaborated with uh, companies and brands like Disney and Singapore Airlines. So it's been quite a incredible journey. It definitely sounds incredible. And I love the whole process of purchase when it comes to jewelry. And I can only imagine what it's like when you're designing your own pieces. It's, it must be such a personal journey. So how do you then balance the commercial element working with these big brands? Um, and while having your own view of what an aesthetic piece of jewelry really means? Well, I think what I have learned um, that people look for is not something that is just pretty because there's a lot of options when you're just looking at something that aesthetically pleasing. Um, and I think my background in advertising uh, led me to marry meaningful storytelling with craftsmanship. Mm. So that's how you know, we started. And then we really looked at um, what stories resonate and are meaningful universally. And there would be themes like friendship, family, you know, things that are important in life. And in fact, I mentioned with um, the circuit breaker and, and COVID, it's made me a lot more reflective about what is important in life. So, you know, we would distill stories like that and themes that are relevant to our culture and our heritage. Um, so that that little piece uh, tells a bit of a story. In addition to that, um, you asked about the commercial aspects. I think that we wanted to make sure our designs are also relevant to how people want to wear jewelry nowadays. Mm -hmm. So versatility is a key part of it. And well, a lot of our customers have grown with us and they always look at what can, they can pass on to their children. Mm -hmm. So we design pieces that moms love today and hopefully daughters will want to steal. So mm -hmm. versatility that allows you to you know, stack and make something look uh, simple and elegant and minimalist to uh, stack it into something that's maybe more statement for um, special occasions that you know kind of lets people design their own personal style but at the same time it increases the value of the piece because yeah. you know that you can wear it for every day you can wear it for special occasions and it appeals to you know different tastes um, so it's a 10-year I would say this is a 10-year schooling program and you know I never stop learning because um, circumstances change people's tastes change uh, but I think that advertising also taught me a lot about being you know very very cognizant of what clients want because ultimately we're designing things for people where they feel it's valuable to them in life yeah. and we always look at you know what would add value to a person's not just their jewelry box, but if you put it on, how does it make you feel? And what are some of the stories that they might want to tell? So I guess my next question is, we're in an era where customers want to customize what they 
want to buy and have a personalized product, how do you then balance the carry case signature element of it with what consumers want? Is there a tension between what you stand for as a brand and what the customer wants? Or are there ever points where you say, you know what, this just doesn't fit my brand ethos? Well, I think um, our solution to that is for the what I call the ready-to-wear pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, those definitely have the carry case stamp where mm-hmm. our aesthetic is a little bit, you know, art decor. We borrow some of the uh, vintage um, design styles and the focus on detail. Um, at the same time, because uh, our clients, if they want something very, very specific, we would also offer bespoke. So we've got the range of um, off-the-shelf ready design that is the carry key mark mm-hmm. right through to something that's a little bit more customized and then if you want something completely your own one-of-a-kind design then that is where bespoke comes in and I've got to say in most instances when it comes to bespoke um, what I tend to do is I would want to know what that person's aesthetic and what is going to make that person you know love it 10 years from now Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a discovery for both me as a designer as well as the person that's going to be um, wearing the piece. Mm-hmm. Very often, um, individuals themselves don't know what, you know what their style is. And it's a great journey because they themselves are discovering their own inner creative child. And that's something I really enjoy. Is this the same process you take while you're working with uh, big brands, the likes of Disney and Singapore Airlines and your other corporate clients? Yeah, so um, when, whenever I work with a partner or a collaborator, uh, I always look for the win-win, which means um, I really want to understand that whether it's their aesthetic or is it a story they want to tell or is it a problem they want to solve so that when we come back with a solution, it's something that meets their needs. Um, and that also challenges me because I have worked with collaborators that either like an aesthetic or tell a story that may not be something that I would have chosen, but because of it, it's made me really push myself. I mean, Disney is a great example because I worked with Disney for two um, movies. One was um, Alice Through the Looking Glass and the other one was Beauty and the Beast. And I mean, Alice was a a no-brainer because I love the story of Alice in Wonderland. And the second movie, which was Beauty and the Beast, was something that they approached us and said, hey, we'd love working with you the first time. Will you work with us again? It was only after, in fact, my team said the theme from Beauty and the Beast is absolutely in line with what Carrie K stands for, you know, um, independent thinking, uh, strong female character and um, looking beyond the surface, you know, beauty that is um, not so apparent and so many themes that really resonated with us as brand. So when we designed it, we had so many ideas. In fact, we had four different routes and we were spoiled for choice. So in the end, we created something that um, pushed us down the territory that in fact has become an element of an aesthetic that we are now adopting. So, you know, that also got us to experiment with some of the engineering as well as some of the aesthetics and we custom cut things, uh, gems, in order to you know, experiment and learn. So that helped me a lot as well. That's fantastic. That's that's a win-win situation right there, I would say. Um, so how have you had to evolve your brand as you have grown bigger and more successful commercially? 
Are there any compromises you've had to make in terms of where you've taken the brand? I'd say definitely we have evolved, we've grown up, but the three key things that have fueled me then are still the three things that fuel me today. So our core has always been about our purpose and you know the importance of um, not just the clients that we have in the community that we've built, but the team. And then everything's been fueled by passion. So uh, I would say that from day one to now, purpose, people, passion has not changed. Right. And when I talk about that, I mean, in terms of what I feel motivates me, it's always been about having a positive impact on people that I you know, meet and connect with. And, and that really energizes me. So, you know, with the Carrie K brand, um, what we try to create with our jewelry is uh, positive stories that hopefully, you know, become that positive reminder or meaningful reminder to everybody's day. And we created initiatives um, that support uh, like-minded women and also support women in need. And then, you know, lastly, I think one of the things that I'm proudest of is uh, the team. So everyone that's ever worked in the Carrie K family, if they're not currently still with Carrie K, they've all really developed into amazing roles and they're really successful and we still are very close and keep in touch. So that's something that I, I really, really am, you know, am proud about. And in terms of uh, jewelry, you know, actually jewelry is one of the best out of home messaging channels if you think about it because um if someone looks at your your necklace and says hey that's really cool yeah. that becomes a conversation starter to what is you know distilled in that piece and because we've purposely chosen to plant stories about say fellowship i mean one of the my favorite uh, collections is the star collection which talks about the kampong spirit and, you know, this whole notion of being neighborly and friendship. And then there are other themes. So those become conversation starters that not only connect people, but they kind of help pass on the moral of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully those become pieces that will, you know, pass down generations as well. I try to pick examples that are relevant to our Asian heritage and culture because my grandma used to tell me a lot of stories and there will always be, you know, learnings that she will pass on. So I thought, hey, you know, who's going to be passing this on to future generations? If I can do it through our jewelry, that would be amazing. And then outside of the products, uh, I mentioned the initiatives to connect people. We started this program called the Pearls of Society, where we raise funds for um, women. And I'm supporting initiatives by AWARE that help single moms. And at the same time, we also launched um, programs and events to help single moms boost self-confidence and their self-image and even um, have experts that would guide them on communication, you know, how to communicate with your with their children. Yeah. So uh, things like that. So Carrie, what are you like as a client? I mean, I was having some of these chats with Linda and Matt in our earlier episodes where they experienced life both as a client and as an agency head. And sometimes, I I don't know, the impression could be that as a client, you're more prudent because you're spending your own money and every dollar seems to count so much more. Uh, Whereas on the agency side, back in the glory days, you had bigger budgets, you had big ideas and TV and film. So what's it been like for you going from the agency side to now the client side where you're spending your own dollars? I thrive off ideas people. So I I work really well with agencies and individuals, freelancers that I've known um, for many years. 
that have the same spirit of ideas that deliver results. And I think right now, one of the key things that I'm finding is uh, being able to create customer experiences where they can buy remotely. And most of it is through you know, digital channels. So we're experimenting with things like um, Facebook Live and also creating Zoom events with our clients because now we can't get together in big groups. Whereas we used to be able to you know, bring uh, women together to have discussions about topics that matter to us. Yeah. So we're experimenting with that. Um, we're investing in you know, completely, hopefully, revamping our digital experience to something that isn't just going to be, let me come in and buy something, but you can really have a conversation and even learn things about gems or styling or um, things that really add value to you, to you and be able to download all that from our website. Do you have to wear a different hat now that you're running your own business? How has that kind of shaped your view of agency partners? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think now I, I really appreciate the fact that you know, when you're looking at it as a business, uh, you have to manage so many other things. And, you know, the role of the agency is to also interrogate the brief to make sure that everyone is clear about what kind of outcome you want. Um, and, you know, the partners that, that we work best with are the ones that do challenge and are very, um, I guess, passionate about making sure that there's a result at the end of the day. Because, you know, it's kind of like win-win. If we do well, the agency does well as well. And clients all appreciate that. That's really important. Do you wish there was something you had known back in the day running an agency that you now know as a client? I guess the key thing is uh, an, a client just really wants a genuine partner mm -hmm. that cares for them and their business. Because I can tell you, especially when you're running a business, it is a very scary and lonely business. You're making decisions. Nobody really has the answer to anything. A lot of it is trial and error. Mm -hmm. But having um, a partner that is able to give you sound strategic advice, um, and it needs to be advice that will help the business. I think you know, the days of looking at awards is gone. But if it is about, you know, will this help develop the business? Will it help connect the brand with the clients? And will it also build the culture? Then that, those are, are questions that would make, you know, lots of sense. If there's one thing that I think would work, not just for a client advertising agency relationship, but the way I work with my clients now, especially the ones that are uh, ask, you know, working with us to create bespoke designs, it is having a genuine partner who wants to see, you know, whatever that measure of success is at the end of the day come through. You know, when, when I work with a lot of clients that come to us for an engagement ring, it's, no, it's not dissimilar to, um, you know, a client that's running a business. You have an outcome and you want to see that smile at the end of the day. So for us, it's the same. If I have a client that wants to create an engagement ring, it's, it is a very scary, daunting you know, part of that, that person's journey. It's like, oh, I want to create something that my girlfriend will love for the rest of her life. So you know, we go through that journey and genuinely, we'll even get into secret squirrel and make sure that we know what her aesthetic is because most guys would not and we guide them through it. So similar to an agency, you would guide the client through it. And I think clients appreciate it, whether they're you know, looking at jewelry design or running a multi-million, billion dollar business. Coming back to the current industry uh, landscape, 
I don't know how much of it you're following, but there are a lot of people leaving the industry and layoffs are happening. Um, so in your view, what are some of the biggest transferable skills individuals need to take with them should they want to bounce back following a retrenchment or redundancy? I think a lot of it has to do with their um, frame of mind. So, you know, be opportunistic, always look for the win-win, you know, be positive because when you are in a positive frame of mind, you do attract opportunities. And I think um, one of the key things that I believe advertising um, teaches you is how to connect and relate to people and to understand, you know, your customer. So similarly, understanding, I guess, the network around you and, you know, being able to find like-minded, positive people because your success will depend on other people recommending you for, for positions. And if you are in this positive, constructive, opportunistic frame of mind where people look at the person and go, hey, you know, this person will be great for this organization because I know they will be able to bring something to the table, then you'll always be recommended. Mm-hmm. So I think um, the frame of mind is very important. It is challenging. So surround yourself with other positive people because um, that really helps um, and be humble, you know, be modest and ask for help. One of the toughest things when I started my business was asking for help because I didn't want to inconvenience people and I just felt, you know, I don't want to trouble people. But in all my interactions, I've seen people are generally really genuinely helpful and they want to be able to um, support you. But I think the key thing is also making a commitment um, to give back. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a positive cycle. And that's, I think, a lot of my 10-year journey has been that, where I've had amazing people um, support Carrie Kay, uh, both our clients, our community, as well as within the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so know that the people that you have around you is probably going to be the most important thing. And when you've got the right people behind you, you really can do anything. Were there ever days early in your journey where you were just like, you know what, I'm just going to go back to the ad world. This is too tough. Well, I got to say, I'm really fortunate because I love what I do. And along the way, I have had the blessed with people that I've worked with are really, really good. And, you know, we've kind of fueled each other. So I I, I don't think I've ever thought I don't want to do this. Um, and right now, you know, my husband works in the business as well. So it's great because you can bounce ideas off each other. Um, and we have a culture of, you know, looking at each other's what I call superpowers because we're not good at everything, but what we can do is really lend on each other's strengths. So, you know, that's another key thing, having the right people around you, uh, to make sure that you never want to look back. That sounds like very good advice. Um, is there anything that you miss about advertising? Well, I've always loved ideas people. So I think the great thing about advertising that I've always uh, admired are people that, you know, would come up with ideas um, that, you know, would be generating um, new solutions to old problems. Mm. So that is one of the key things. I think the mindset that I've taken with me into uh, jewelry design. Um, And that's probably why I've, you know, been able to, interrogate things that have been the case for example the classic pearl necklace one of the things we challenged was why does it still look the same and one of the biggest challenges people always mention is oh it looks a bit grandma it's a bit Mm old-fashioned so you know it took us a couple of years but we thought 
how can we re-engineer the way the um, classic you know, pearl necklace can be styled so that it gives you versatility and then you can ungramify it if you don't want it to look so classic. And we launched that last year. It's become one of our, you know, I guess, iconic signature um, and, and fastest selling uh, areas. And it's also one of the things that has helped the, um, that, that fine jewelry category grow because it's something that is completely different from what is available in the market. And it's that mindset from advertising of really taking something that has been the case forever, like the classic pearl necklace, and really interrogating it and asking, why can't this do, you know, why can't we do this? Or how do we make it do this? Mm -hmm. um, and that's how we came up with reinventing the classic pearl necklace. What was the hardest and best experience about creating your own business? I guess the start was really tough because I was doing it all on my own and not having someone to be able to bounce ideas off. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess the, the key thing I did along the way was I built like a, a network of mentors. Mm -hmm. um, and that was when I got over, you know, this, I can't, I can't reach out and get help that barrier. So once that barrier was down, that was it. <laughs> I found an amazing pool of stars that were happy to advise me. And as a result, you know, I did, I did keep my promise to give back. So I created um, the CSR program that supported fellow uh, independent designers. I now sit on the board with the Textile and Fashion Federation. I sit on the board of um, NAFA and also LaSalle to help their uh, kids and their education program. So I really felt that, you know, I'd received so much support and advice and mentorship from people that from the moment I could, I wanted to give back. Um, so we started uh, the Singapore Designer Collective called Keepers um, in 2011, very early on. Will you ever come back to the world of advertising? I never say never because uh, I would never have thought I would become a jewelry designer. And if you told me that this is where I'd be, you know, 10 years after advertising, um, I would have laughed. But um, I'm really, really happy with, with what we're doing. I mean, despite the challenging situation um, that, that the world faces right now, I still love what we do. And I love the fact that I get to work with so many different people um, from our bespoke clients who are going through and invited us to be part of a very, very important milestone in their life. Like they, they're getting married or they might be celebrating their first child. I've, you know, had clients who would share very intimate situations about their family and their relationship in order to immortalize that story into jewelry. So I feel very privileged that people let me in to those you know, points in their life. And that in turn fuels, you know, our stories that we tell through the ready-to-wear collections. And I'm also able to build the kind of culture in the team that I want and mold the talent. Um, and I've always believed, you know, in terms of leadership, one of the things I learned in advertising is a leader is not someone that wants to be the best, but someone who is passionate about bringing the best out of the team around them. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's why I can sleep at night because I've got a great team. Yeah. That concludes this week's episode of Life After Advertising. To stay on top of trends, learn to reskill and upskill your capabilities, and grow your professional network, head to www.marketing-interactive.com.
We'll see you there. Will you ever come back to the world of advertising?